Hello and welcome to Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson stories. Uh, I'm your host, Curtis Robinson, and today's guest is Paul Levine. Uh, anyone in Aspen in the mid-90s would remember Paul Levine as one of the proprietors of the Howling Wolf Cafe, a sort of Greenwich Village cafe that was the political hub of the time and uh, where Hunter essentially ran the headquarters for a famous and hotly contested uh, election over expanding the Pitkin County Airport. Uh, Paul, welcome. Thanks, Curtis. It's nice to be here. There are a lot of things I'd like to, to circle back to with you, and then, of course, with you, the question is where to begin. Uh, I'd particularly like to talk about your company. Is it Purple Hatters or is it Purple Hat Productions? Purple Hat Productions. Uh, I would like to loop back to that, but I'd first like to take you back to the mid-'90s in Aspen. And as you may know, there's been a... Um, there's recently a film in progress about Freak Power, which is the Hunter Thompson run for sheriff in 69. And it reminds me that some people would think that Hunter's political legacy, you know, particularly for Aspen, sort of diminished then. But you'll recall in the 90s, you were in the middle of it. Uh, yeah, we we sure were. Um, I came to Aspen the winter of 92, 93. Um, and we opened the Howling Wolf uh, in 1995. Um, um, the election of the day, Paul. The, the, the election of that day it was one of those big Aspen elections, but it was about airport expansion. But of course, it was about more than that. It was sort of, um, you know, who's going to call the shots, and uh, uh, and it was uh, how did how did you come to know Hunter then? Well, we we'd opened up the Howling Wolf. Um, at the end of 95, around New Year's. Um, and the Howling Wolf was, as you remember, uh, was a kind of a coffee house, restaurant, bar, art gallery, music club, um, kind of political center, almost. Um, a gathering place in town. And, you know, when we said about opening it, you I think we've probably told you the story plenty of times that, uh, you know, when Steve Levitt picked me up hitchhiking and we started planning the Howling Wolf, we always hoped that, you know, in our plans that you know, we made decisions, you know, based upon whether we thought Hunter might like it. <laughs> um, what were you, so you were, you were early on the what would Hunter do uh, list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he was... You know, when we came to Aspen, of course, we knew about him and it was his history and his political. We learned more about his political history in town, and um, uh, you know, we admired that certainly, and um, uh, you know, that kind of spirit. Uh, and but I remember at Howling Wolf, you guys actually did like community meetings and uh, 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 reconciliation meetings with locals and things like that. Well, sure. Uh, you know, we didn't. We, we we weren't afraid to take a side, but um, we were we always wanted to invite the other side in to you know the um, to give their thoughts and so we hosted some political kind of coffee house um, forums you know where the we had people from both sides of certain issues come in and and the public could ask them questions and sometimes it would get pretty pretty fiery. 
Uh, so how, but, how did it make the leap to uh, to Hunter? Uh, I remember the the morning after the election, after uh, uh, a big victory for Hunter, he he praised and actually credited what he called the Howling Wolf vote. So did he did he just walk in one day? <laughs> well, um, you know, you'll recall that uh, we had a lot of really interesting people that would spend a lot of time having coffee at the Howling Wolf or just hanging out on the front porch or on the, on the couch, you know, and those people included, you know, Rachel Richards and Mick Ireland and, um, you know, Hinton the Clown and, and Jordan. <laughs> it's really interesting folks, including yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, somehow word got to Hunter about what we were doing and the kind of, space that we had and some of his friends surely had come in there or played music there or whatever and um when when they were cranking up you know the opposition to the expansion of the airport um you know you know part of their plan for winning that election was um was bringing in a youth vote uh and so were kind of a, a place where a lot of young people spend a lot of time. And I, and I think that, that Hunter and the team that was in opposition to the airport expansion kind of recognized that we might be able to bend the ear of some people that some older politicians might not be able to. And it wasn't just us. Um, there was also at that time quite a few younger kind of against the grain sort of businesses, you know, including uh, Funky Mountain Threads and Johnny McGuire's and New York Pizza and the Alternative Edge and all those businesses opened right around the same time. And so there were a good number of young people active in the business community. Um, and I think because we hosted public events and were kind of that sort of community you know, center, so to speak, that uh, we were sort of a natural fit for that campaign. Um, and I don't know if it was who, who the first person that approached us was. It could have could have been me. It could have been you. Uh, um, but, you know, the we were very, very much in support of of them not expanding the the airport, we thought there was something really special about Aspen being a hard to get to destination, which even though we were in business, um, seemed like a no brainer to us. <laughs> uh, you know, most of the business community felt otherwise. Um, but the well, local real conflict that was a, it was a conflict between what Hunter would have called industrial tourism and. Um, uh, folks who felt like, um, I mean, there is an airport and it, it, it's not like there was an air service, but it would have made it easier to, uh, uh, or, and cheaper to fly in and out. Do you remember when you, when you met Hunter? That's always a question that, that you get asked. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I um, you know, it was, it, he came in and I'm, I, I'm pretty sure what happened was that, he came in the back door. It might have been for like 
a Buddy Miles concert that we had at the Wolf or something like that. Somebody was playing and he wanted to check it out and he kind of came in through the back, you know, and <laughs> he liked to talk, you know, he'd go talk to the kitchen people and order food. Or <laughs> uh, he so, did. He, 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 liked, he liked to order from the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I think that's kind of, it was something like that. He, you know, he kind of came in through the back, um, uh, and, uh, you know, and there he was <laughs> and we sort of hit it off, um, and, and we're friendly, uh, from the beginning. I think, you know, we, you, you remember we had, um, we had the hummus S Thompson sandwich on the menu. So I think he knew that we liked him. <laughs> yes. Yes. He'd probably done some advance work. Well, now the, the, the Hollywood became sort of to that airport election which was a huge election for Aspen. It sort of became what uh, uh, maybe the J-Bar was in the freak power election. It kind of became the focus. I remember the night um, of the famous driving under uh, uh, driving with ability impaired arrest on election eve. He had left. He had been at the Howling Wolf that night, had he not? He had been uh, at, at the place uh, that evening. Um, <laughs> well, I was, I was there. I can assure you he was not overserved there. No, I, he, I can't vouch for everywhere else. Well, he, um, I, it's, it's the truth. He, he came in and, and ordered a drink and, and it was immediately spilled. Yeah, um, no, I know. And what you're not saying, cause you're not, <laughs> even I spilled. <laughs> and uh, you know, so he, he didn't have the opportunity to be overserved at our place. There was alcohol abuse in a different way. Yes, yes, I, I think that might have been uh, abuse is a strong term, Paul. Uh, but yes, yes <laughs> uh, uh, use certainly. Uh, but you know, that night, in all truth, I spilled three hundred Thompson drinks that night. That was just one, and I don't know why. It wasn't like I was crazed or anything. Maybe I just knew what was coming up. Because, you know, um, it always made him angry when people would say it was a DUI because he, I don't think he was ever charged with uh, the full driving under the influence, but just driving with ability impaired because his breathalyzer tests were, were under the limit for DUI. And always, it always really pissed him off that people would say he was charged with drunk driving. Right. Um, you know, he was always looking for the detail. What do you think, I mean, looking back, and you, and again, we'll circle back to some of your activities in Florida. But uh, uh, what did you learn about politics uh, from working with, with Hunter on that election? Because you've, you've never been involved in a political campaign, I don't think, had you? Um, you know, outside of uh, you know running for grade school office or something like that. <laughs> and I'm not even sure that I remember that I doing that. Um, uh, what I learned through that whole experience was that, you know, politics, you know, are best practice locally. Um, that when you're in a community that you that you really that you really can make a difference. Um, that those elections are won by small numbers, uh, and um, you know, motivated, uh, you know, righteous people can make a difference and. Um, you know that's what happened in that election. I mean, I remember we kicked the crap out of the uh, the opposition in that vote, 
and uh, and it was because there was a lot of people that came together um, behind a, a, a an important local cause, uh, you know, and and did it together. It was it was a great win. I remember I remember I remember that feeling that everybody had um, afterwards, um, and it was really uh, that was really special. Uh, and I, I've tried to um, uh, take that sense of local politics and community and um, kind of implement it into, you know, the work that I do in in the music business and I've done in the restaurant business prior to that. Well, one of, one of the, the, the hundred things that I never knew at the time, um, and for people who weren't there, which is most people, <laughs> the, um, the Howling Wolf had tables that were created by local artists. And um, it was a great way to link artists with, with patrons. Uh, one of them, the only one I remember being covered with protective covering, was uh, a piece of Hunter Thompson's shotgun art. How did, it, how did it come to pass that you got Hunter to do a piece of shotgun art for your cafe? Um, well, uh, that, that particular piece was, was painted by, um, one of my business partners, Tanya Noble. Um, she painted the Howling Wolf logo on the table. Um, and you know, that's a good question because that was pretty early on. I guess that may have been, you know, we may have. I suspect we knew somebody close to him that liked our place. It could have been you. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I would remember that. it if it was me. I, I loved I loved the Hunter Thompson shotgun art. I love going back there, putting the things up, and watching you know blow the hell out of stuff. And yeah, uh, we, it's nice, you know. It's just it's a, it's a it was a nicely painted table, and then he blows a hole in it, and all of a sudden you've got to nail it to the floor. <laughs> we. Uh, uh, and I happen to know it was bolted to the floor because I tried to steal it. <laughs> no, it never was. I think actually we probably left it overnight in the rain a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That, that, that probably, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, uh, but I think, you know, that was through Tanya, and I, we probably ought to ask Tanya that story. Um, you know, how it got to him I, the original. I, I should. I mean, it, it's safe to say, you know, well, Tanya did it. And of course, she, you know, she's very persuasive. So, so that that could have been her project. Now, flash forward a bit. Um, you became involved with the uh, Purple Hat uh, Productions, the Purple Hatters Ball, huh? uh, because of what I still consider. Uh, I think it was. I want to say it was 2008. One of the great victims of the war on drugs. Yeah, it was a um, a young lady. A Florida State University student who, in what was a fairly common thing at the time, was pressed into service, uh, caught with a little bit of marijuana, and said, well, you know, we can we can take this off your record and let you go if you give us a little help. And that's how you became a confidential informant. And um, you can take it from there because it gets really ugly. Well, sure. Um, uh Back when I first came to Florida um, in 2004, we started a music festival called Down on the Farm outside of Tallahassee. Uh, 
and that festival ran for three years. Um, and after its run, there was still a great energy to do something in this area. And so we started work. I, I took on a new partner, Lyle Williams, who bought this beautiful piece of property in Quincy, Florida, outside of Tallahassee. And we were going to start a new festival called Bear Creek. Um, Rachel Hoffman, the young lady who you spoke of, uh, she was at Florida State at that time. And a lot of the Florida State students had been helping uh, me and our organization um, produce, you know, to set up and uh, put on these music festivals that we were, that were being produced. Um, and so for uh, 2007, yeah, Rachel was coming out um, to this new property. We were clearing woods and making trails and setting up staging areas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, she was just one of these, great music loving fun tallahassee kids um florida state students actually she she was from clearwater area um uh and we became good friends uh at least you know we'd all lots of people would come out there'd be big dinner parties and we'd, we'd do a lot of work um you know and it was a lot of it was it was it was a great time um and the, and, the, the police initially arrested her for they stopped her on a traffic stop a speeding ticket and found a very small amount of marijuana, wasn't it? It, it was. I mean, to be, you know, the truth is she, she had um, incredible taste in marijuana. Um, <laughs> uh, and she, you know, not in any big sort of way, but she was a college student that always, you know, could use a couple of bucks. So she, she, she facilitated some of her friends getting some really high-end marijuana. Let let he who is without sin cast the first stone, huh? Yeah, you know. So she was she was helping her college buddies get high, and um, they caught her in something. And uh, I think the first time she got in trouble, but I think it's I think she got in trouble. It was two times really. The second time is what what led her to the to go, you know, um, into the program. And I think they found on her that time, it was like maybe an eighth of weed and a one ecstasy pill or something like that. Something silly. Um, and so, and, you know, it reminds me of one of the, one of the reasons people ask why Hunter would, uh, that's just so reminiscent because one of the, one of the things he always said is you can't make a deal because if you take the probation, they'll find, particularly if you're doing something, they'll find uh, uh, the probation just sets you into the system so that then you end up, you know, in more trouble as you come out of it. And that's kind of what happened to her. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, he, she was a smart kid, um, street smart, uh, but naive. Uh, and when they when they caught her, you know, she didn't want to talk to her parents. She didn't want to talk to a lawyer. She could get out of this, no problem. And that was her attitude about life, sort of. She could handle it. Um, you know, but then they, you know, she, they tried to get her to turn on her friends, you know, in, that in the marijuana field. Um, and, and she wouldn't do that. Uh, she didn't think there was anything wrong with what they were doing. Um, so they, they put her into a, a, 
a bungled thing, really. Well, what they did was, is um, you know, she she knew some people through other things. Like I said, she, you know, she, recreationally, I'm, she'd probably take an ecstasy pill once in a while or do whatever. But the uh, so she knew people, um, and so she had less of an issue um, helping them with uh, folks that were dealing in harder drugs. She didn't have an ethical issue there, um, I suppose, and uh, or less of one. Um, and uh, they sent her into a deal with these two guys uh, to buy uh, a ton of cocaine and thousands of ecstasy pills. And then, of course, to to really um, help stiffen the sentence, they sent her in there with a gun, right? Just you know, to sell, or uh, you know, of course, that increases the penalties and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they sent her into a, they sent her into a park um, to meet these guys, and they had her under surveillance. Right? When they sent her into the park, it was a heavily wooded area, and I guess they hadn't done a lot of practicing. And well, the uh, their surveillance equipment fa- failed, and um, uh, instead of aborting the mission, even though she didn't have communications, she kept going with it, and they lost surveillance of her. And you know, they, the cops tried to go in and find her in the park, but the guys changed the location at the last second. One thing led to the next, and, and they executed her uh, with the gun. The cops sent, sent her in to sell to these guys with a bunch of drugs. And so essentially they, they, they killed her, um, a horrible thing, and, and you became one of the political activists, and there was a subsequent law in the state of Florida that you can't do that kind of thing anymore. If anyone wants to see, I mean, there was the, the thing that I remember a lot from it is the piece on uh, Democracy Now that they did where her mother was on, and it was just heartbreaking. But let me ask you this. Do you think, you know, how many of your skills from the Hunter days did you bring into that situation? I mean, because you you had seen politics work. Um, yeah, uh, I had, and... Um... I, I think uh, the the Howling Wolf experience and 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 knowing Hunter and his his uh, circle of friends and foes, you know, and acquaintances, um, you know, being at Aspen at that particular time was really, you know, being young and just learning about life and business at the time. I think all of that stuff really um, crept into, you know into into who I am or who I became you know some of it may have already been there but they uh, you know all those people you know yourself included um, really helped me to see the world in in a different broader way and um, uh, you know I think you know after Rachel died we you know we, we started the purple Hatters ball um, in her honor and um, you know, that's exactly what we would have done in Aspen. Um, and I think that's what 
you know, Hunter would have, he would have supported that and certainly the Howling Wolf would have put it on. So do you still find yourself asking what would Hunter do? <laughs> uh, yes, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good way to go. Well, I promise you every time I get in, in trouble, I call Terry Goldstein. So I'm, I'm already doing that. <laughs> yes, well, yes, Mr. Goldstein is uh, uh, the, 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 the number that, that is the speed dial number for real trouble, isn't it? Well, look, uh, we're, we're running short on time. Uh, I will go out. We, we didn't talk much about uh, the ongoing legacy. I know in Aspen, one of the ongoing legacy is that uh, our friend Tori is mayor. It, it is true. I think uh, Tori's first job in, in Aspen was, uh, was at the Howling Wolf the, uh, when we opened that place. Um, it's a, uh, it's, really a little bit mind-blowing you know to to think that uh, after all this time you know that he's fulfilled his goals and you know and has, has been able to you know to to win that that uh that honor and um i think aspen's oh. lucky to have him you know I th- oh he'll, I think he'll do a great job he'll do a, he'll do it and for those um just a, a quick update on aspen politics story had been on city council. He had run for mayor, I think, five times, maybe six. And uh, this was his time. And, you know, uh, so, so he, gets the, uh, he gets the term. I think he'll do a great job. And, uh, well, Paul, we could get into well, – I'll have to have you back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we get – clearly there are some other stories. I still want to know about the uh, famous rock band and what happened to their guitars on the way to Aspen and uh, – uh, other harmony festival uh stories so but uh we'll leave it at that and um thanks so much and uh, uh thanks for making time and, and putting up with us and uh, uh sharing uh some of the hunter legacy well uh it's always it's always fun to um bring back some of those memories so thanks for hey, uh, thanks for having me they were fast, strange times, and we worked in fast, strange ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, thanks, and uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, take care.